Welcome to GW Integrative Medicine, the podcast about disease prevention and health promotion from the Office of Integrative Medicine and Health at the George Washington University School of Medicine and Health Science. I'm Dr. Lee Frame, Director of the Integrative Medicine Programs here at GW. And I'm Janet Rodriguez, the Office's Administrative Director. Today, we're talking nutrition science with Chef Eric Adjapong, MPH, a finalist on season 16 of Bravo's Top Chef, one of my favorite shows. He delighted viewers with his passion for the culinary arts and nutrition. Chef Eric has a bachelor's degree in culinary arts and culinary nutrition from Johnson & Wales, one of the country's premier culinary institutes, and a master of public health and international public health nutrition from the University of Westminster in London. Prior to launching Pinch and Plate with his wife, Janelle, Chef Eric cooked in several Michelin-starred restaurants in New York. Welcome to GW Integrative Medicine, Chef Eric. Hey, Leah, Janelle, thank you guys for the, uh, the awesome intro. Good to hear from you guys. <laughs> You're welcome. Absolutely. We are so glad to have you. So, Eric, on Top Chef, you let your nutrition scientist uh, flag fly, as I like to think. (laughs) I did, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What led you to study it in culinary school and then at university in London? Yeah, um, that's a really great question. I think for me, it was um, I always had a passion for for culinary arts and cooking, and um, uh, I, I guess really the social um, attractions that that food um, brought. You know, bringing people together, bringing people to a table, um, you know, breaking bread. Um, I, I always loved that. I always admired when people can do that with food. Um, so to me, when I when I kind of crossed that bridge of actually going up to you know college and and getting ready to to really plan the rest of my life um it it was it was kind of one of those things when you know better you do better um and i was definitely encouraged and pushed by uh, my folks and my parents by um you know just just really striving for for the best that i can um so it wasn't just culinary arts it's like what else can i do um you know how else can i be more impactful with what i'm doing and that kind of just led me into the, the the rabbit hole of nutrition and public health honestly that sounds very familiar to me, actually. Uh, <laughs> I uh, also loved food and grew up with a family that was very important. I'm half Italian, so food is very important. And uh, then I realized that you could actually also, I was going down the science track, really, but you could also do science and nutrition. And then I was like, wow, I can do more with this. And then I ended up getting my degree in public health nutrition, too. So look exactly. at that. We have so much in common. <laughs> <laughs> Coming at it from two different angles. So what do you think someone with a culinary arts degree brings to nutrition that's maybe unique and something that say like a nutrition scientist who doesn't have that background, the really steep tradition in cooking can't do as well? I think that's a great question. I think um, it was always presented to me, I think um, quite early in undergrad that if I was able to, uh, the, the more that I can differentiate myself from the pack, from the group, um, uh, the the better that I you know I'd have uh, of of really making something of myself and and really setting myself apart and and having an impact on the world um, and really uh, the the trend and the trajectory towards um, people becoming more health conscious uh, more more aware of the foods that they're putting in their body more aware of the things that foods um, you know is kind of doing on a uh, not only like a city scale but a community scale a, a state global regional whatever um, is, is going to become more apparent um, and that was right around I feel like 2000 and 
2009, 2008. Um, and, and, and really, I mean, the, the trajectory kind of followed through. So um, I, I knew that it was something that people would just become, uh, as information, especially with the internet and everything becoming more uh, accessible and, and easier to access. Um, it, it was just kind of one of those things that um, it made sense to me at a young age that this is something that if I can really see through, um, I can have an impact not only just on a dinner table, but um, on, a, on, a, on a more um, a global scale. And, and that's exactly what I did. Fantastic. I think it's, it's great to get someone such as yourself out there so publicly, people who maybe don't even know that's an option, that you could be a nutrition you could have a nutrition background and also be a chef. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, it's funny because I know of maybe two others <laughs> um, that 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 kind of followed a similar path. And uh, like you mentioned, we all kind of went to Johnson and Wales uh, University, so um, it's it's a it's a rare kind of uh, uh, I guess asset to to have. Um, and really, it's it's the the knowledge and just the understanding of um, how food works and how it operates. Um, again, not only for yourself, but um, for a larger scale, um, it it really was fascinating to me. Um, the, the more I, you know, I learned about it. So it, it's, it's something that I'm I'm very proud of, um, and and I try to kind of I, I I notice myself kind of dabbling, you know, one one hat one and 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 one hat the other, so to speak. So I'm cooking, but I'm also teaching. Mm-hmm. I'm also um, um, educating and um and, and doing as much philanthropic work i can as possible so it's 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 cool it's a it's a great position to be in um and and i'm very blessed to have uh made the decision that i've done you know um, i'm very lucky for that you're really speaking our language eric because <laughs> um when they brought lee in as our program director we knew we were going to definitely be going um full tilt at nutrition because she's a nutrition <laughs> scientist too yeah um i mean it's it's really go, it goes hand in hand i think you guys really you saw that um obviously early on with lee i think um when you have a concentration or your 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 craft is focused in one concentration but it can bridge towards another um that that's almost seems like you know it, it goes hand in hand obviously you know when you think of food you think of not only um, well I, I guess for me my my goal was always to get people to break out of that thought it was always just not what you know you're, you're cooking in your home but um, what does that look like on a community scale you know what are the people eating around you um, you know what, what does that look like uh, what are the, the grocers selling what are um, mm-hmm. you know what is the what's the education um, being taught like in schools around food and healthy eating and um, and things like or that. Or not so, being taught. Or not being taught. Exactly. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Um, you know, I, um, funny enough, when I came back from England, um, um, this is back in 2013, I, I worked in Harlem um, at the Harlem Children's Zone for some time um, teaching. Uh, we had a, a really beautifully funded um, a program, after school pro- program called Healthy Harlem. And, um, you know, like you mentioned, or not being funded, but we were lucky enough to, to have. Um, you know, resources and assets to to teach. Um, we would go out to uh, the different housing projects and housing communities, rather in, in New York, um, and and we would go weekends and we would teach people about fresh food and, and how to prepare it. And um, it was great. It was really empowering. You know, we were we were teaching kids as old as young as four and as old as seventeen about fresh food and, and, and preparation and bringing their family along and doing like grocery trips and you know showing them how to walk through the aisles and what to look for and what not to look for and, you know, what, what, you know, these competitors and what, 
um, companies are actually trying to get you to do and get you to buy as well. So it was a, it was a deep education. But I think when you have a little bit more of that um, all around, then you really see um, you really see the fruition, and you really see like the actual um, I guess the public health side of things really work. Education is important, you know, and it's not just about um, telling, but it's about showing, um, especially when it comes to food. Such a good point, and I think a lot of programs that do try to focus on nutrition, they don't go far enough back. Like you're, mm-hmm. you're focusing on how do they get the foods? You exactly. know, a lot of people are completely intimidated by getting foods that are healthy into their house, let alone cooking them. So you have to take them to the grocery store and walk through. I love that approach. Yeah, no, it was, it was great. Um, and we, it, it was almost a quick kind of um, uh, showing like, of the sample size, like how actual is like the qualitative data and the quantitative data we would bring you know, uh, man, 10 families. And then we'd really see by the end of the day, by the end of the trip after the grocery store, um, what they learned and what they picked up. Cause we allow them to actually go and, you know, um, go out to the field, so to speak, and, you know, um, go to the grocery and, 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 mm-hmm. you know, pretend like this was a normal kind of day for you. And we would, um, walk them through the things that they bought and how they could be more utilized or better utilized. And it was great. I, I mean, uh, the, the education and the, and when you again, when people see things hands on, it's just a lot better than telling. Um, and especially when it comes to food, when I can show you how to cook something nutritious for your family, you're more inclined to do so. So, on my mother's side, I'm Gullah, and on my father's side, I'm Cape Verdean. Beautiful. So, I was very excited to see you on Top Chef and cooking West African cuisine. So, how does being a first generation Ghanaian American? and a nutrition scientist influence your food philosophy? That's a really, really good question, Jen. I think, um, uh, well, shout out to Caver. I love, love, love my Cape Verdean people and, <laughs> and Gullah Geechee. I love, um, yeah, that's like two two very, very deep, deep enriched cultures um, that are close to my heart. So um, I, I love Thank that. Uh, and I'd love to hear more about your background. Yeah, that's awesome. I, jeez, um, oh, I, I really just wanted to, follow you know the footsteps and uh, let me backtrack i think honestly i had a really interesting dichotomy growing up um it was it was growing up in a very traditional west african home but then you know being in new york i was a regular new york city kid so that dichotomy mm-hmm. um you know was was always apparent to me um and it was it was life it, it was what it was and i was lucky enough to grow up in a very enriched um you know Ghanaian community uh, so the food um, was 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 something that was always around me, and it just so happened that I, you know, my natural interest was around food. Um, what, but I think what was also cool about being in New York was the fact that I could have um, the opportunity to eat from uh, different different cuisines, you know, Caribbean, West Indies, uh, Jewish communities, um, Italian communities. Um, you know, it was it was all right in my in my doorstep, my backyard, really being in the Bronx. So. Um, all of those flavors and all those, uh, those memories really kind of matured itself into, um, I, I guess what you can call, I guess what you, I'm doing right now, what you can see right now. Um, and then again, like I mentioned, when you know better, you do better. Um, and, and not only understanding, um, on one side, how enriched and how beautiful and how delicious the food is, um, from, from not only from my background, but again, just growing up in New York. Uh, but then also on the other flip, like there's, you know, there's deserts, there's food deserts in there that, that are suffering. There are, there, there are communities that don't have access to, um, uh, healthy food there or, or groceries, um, or, or healthy grocers rather. So, um, 
it's it's the dichotomy of really just wanting to do better for someone who looked like me, you know, growing up. Um, because I see that my folks still live in the Bronx, and when I go and, and and visit them or visit family or friends, you know, I see someone who's interested in food, or I see someone who looked just like me, and you know, um, going to the bodega or um, you can see a Hispanic person going to like a, a West African market and getting food. So I can see that happening with different people. And, um, you know, I, I would just want to extend the hand um, as much as possible and really try to make sure that the next generation coming up, um, you know, if you were ever so interested in, in what I'm doing exactly, then you have a, uh, an easier route to see, you know, how it's done, um, somewhat of a blueprint, so to speak. And, um, you know, I, I just hope I can aid to that, really. Um, it's, a, it's a loaded question, but I feel like, uh, you know, I'm doing the best that I can to really um, not only champion the food that I, I grew up eating and grew up around, but also champion, you know, eating it and, 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 and practicing and cooking the right way. You know, you got to break ground in, or in, in, in pioneer things because, you know, when mm. you look at um, the diversity, especially today of the American diet, you know, um, 30 years ago, who would have known that you'd, you'd see, you know, cassava root mm, or mm-hmm. fruit um, or lychee right. or right. local grocery. It's no big exactly. deal now. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. so we appreciate No, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a little bit goes a long way. It's it's all about education. It's all about, you know, introducing. Um, and I love that. I love that point. You know, I was funny enough at the Wegmans and I saw, you know, um, uh, tamarind and, and jackfruit and mm-hmm. dragon fruit and all this other like really exotic stuff, um, you know, produce that, uh, like you mentioned, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you probably never see um, here in the States. So, yeah, that's a great point. Looking through the lens of food and nutrition, how do you see the coronavirus pandemic? How is this affecting your perspective, um, either as as an immigrant, as a chef, as a nutrition scientist, all of those? Oh, wow. Um, that right there is one that's kind of like an ongoing um, um, kind of question. I feel like it depends on uh, what day, you know, more so to speak, just because we're still in it. Um, now, I'm not the, the smartest person in the world to as far as understanding how this is going to fully impact, um, you know, the the industry and, and whole, I'd say the restaurant industry, but just the food industry. Um, but I, I can say on a smaller scale um, for, for the restaurants, um, you know, the small businesses, it affects uh, tremendously. We, we go out and we, we rely on restaurants um, um, really for so many social occasions that we don't might maybe kind of even realize, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's a birthday party or whether it's a, you know, a promotion at work, um, or graduation or honestly, honest, anything, um, we go and we celebrate, um, and Friday night. Look, yeah, Friday night. Exactly. We look forward to the service. We look, we look forward to, uh, you know, letting our hair down and being the ones around the, the people that we love. And unfortunately we're not going to be able to do that due to the social distancing, um, at least for some time now. So, um, there's a lot of restaurants that I know. I have a lot of colleagues and good friends, um, who are, who are struggling, unfortunately. Um, uh, but, um, you know, I, I think once a vaccine, um, is, is uh, the vaccine is probably there's the, the number one thing. Once the vaccine is here, mm-hmm. and I hope that we can kind of get back, uh, to some sort of normalcy, but until that actually happens, um, the restaurant industry is, um, is, is quite in a gray space at the moment. Um, and I think even just 
further than that, um, nutrition, um, it, it can touch so many different things. We, you, you heard the stories about the the meat plants and, you know, it being affected through mm-hmm. um, the workers there and, you know, how can uh, that affect the the supply chains and, and everything else. This is a, it's a huge economic, um, huge social, huge nutrition, food. Um, coronavirus is definitely through 2024 loop, I, I say that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, um, you know, it's, it, it's an ongoing thing, but I hope, um, I, I can tell you what my hope is for sure is that, um, uh, the market, so to speak, kind of regular regulates itself. Um, we can kind of get back to, um, a point in which where, uh, food is a little bit more accessible. Um, you know, it, it, we can maybe run around the margins in restaurants a little bit more, you know, and, and pay people, um, you know, a fair wage, uh, where, um, you know, God forbid, if this is where to happen again, you know, you don't have people and their families crushed um, by this kind of uh, economic downturn. So um, I, I hope for a lot of things, um, but that's a load. Of, oh, my gosh. Um, I, feel like, <laughs> I feel like we can have a podcast. <laughs> we can truly have a podcast on you know, Absolutely. just on that question alone. It's, there's so many things to, to really go into, but um, I'm hoping for the best for sure. Yeah. Well, I think you did a pretty good job of, of covering a lot of, of the issues that are, are really key to the world that you're inhabiting. And I, yeah. I also am, am quite hopeful that there will be some silver linings coming out of this, such as you're saying, you know, people having a, a living wage mm-hmm. who work in restaurants. That would be totally. a fantastic one. Totally. Yeah. I mean, this is, it's one of those moments where you, you hope that, um, it's, I feel, I feel conflicted saying, um, saying this, but I don't know how else to, to, to better phrase it, but you know, adversity sometimes is a, it's a really terrible thing to waste. And when you have something like this, mm-hmm. um, you know, in a restaurant industry, um, especially hotels or just kind of mama pops, they, they're essentially 24 hour businesses, you know, and yeah. it's hard to stop a machine when it's, when it's hard to stop a machine when it's continuously going. So now that it's stopped, and everybody's kind of been on pause. This is the exact moment to really reflect on, hey, how can we come back stronger? How can we do this better? How can we really uh, make sure that everybody that's working um, inside the restaurant and, and really in our eco space, um, whether it be the purveyors and the farmers and um, everyone who's associated, even down to the to the customers that come in, like how can we make this experience uh, not only safer, uh, more more affordable, um, and 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 really just try to up the quality towards, towards everything. I think that's, this is a perfect time to, to really reflect on that. Well said. Do you think that nutrition and um, sustainability of food might play into that process? Um, you talked about like food suppliers and. Yeah, I'd say for the immediate future. Yes. Um, unfortunately now there, there are farmers who have uh, an abundance of, um, of, of of product or the crops or whether it's meat i know one farmer um specifically i was talking to a good chef of mine and he's having an issue his farmer's having an issue with um preparing and and and, and raising so much cattle and you have to slaughter them now and now you have so much meat and you're trying to sell it and you know you have um you know restaurants are not necessarily buying because they can't they can't you know they can't prepare it um and then you're going to other means to to get rid of the food so there's there's definitely things right now as we speak immediately that are going on farmers are are definitely feeling um i, I mean when i say the restaurant industry it's 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 far past just you know the the mom and pop spots that you walk by as as much as it affects them um it affects you know the the drivers the 
the, the people on the trucks delivering food. It affects the farmers. It affects um, really. There's so many different margins that that get up and down. So um, I think in the long run, um, I, I really hope that this market in and of itself, nutrition and being sustainable with food and finding the best ways to um, grow food to where food is prepared. Um, I hope that changes and, and I hope people really pick up um, on things. I mean, yeah, this is another question I feel like can go on forever as well. But um, yeah, I, I really do hope that there is a significant, significant change on on, on so many fronts. Eric, how can people help restaurants right now? I mean, besides, you know, ordering online or, you know, going mm-hmm. inside the ones you can go to, are there any nonprofits no. that you could suggest that people donate to? Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And I appreciate the opportunity to do so. Um, if you really check in your local, um, your, your state's um, uh, small business um, and, and and departments of labor, um, they have different um, groups who are supporting um, um, different restaurants and small businesses um, all throughout different cities, uh, no matter where you are. Um, the next thing, James Beer Foundation is doing an excellent job of, of raising money and distributing and allocating funds to chefs who need it, um, restaurateurs who need it. Um, I myself am working with uh, Territory Foods. Um, we were giving proceeds uh, to the meals um, that I was that I had on um, their their uh, meal delivery service uh, to James Beer Foundation and and now currently to Black Lives Matter. Um, oh my goodness, what else? What else? What else? There's so many. I mean, um, you can go onto the your 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 favorite restaurant's website and buy a T-shirt, buy a mug, you know, buy any sort of paraphernalia that is food. Yeah, buy a gift card. There's so many little things that really, um, I think the more creative you can be, um, you can really find ways to uh, support, you know, and um, right now those folks, uh, we, we really need it. Uh, the restaurant industry is, it's not going to be the same. I, I tell you that for sure when we kind of get back, but I'm hoping that this 2.0, whatever this new version is, um, is uh, you know, can withstand um, and, and, and it should. So before we let you go, I have one question for you. <laughs> What's one thing you think everyone should eat a day? Oh, wow. That is a fantastic a question. <laughs> See, if I that ask the question to Lee, question. I know the answer. <laughs> so what's your Fiber, answer? Yeah. <laughs> um, that is a fantastic question. Fiber probably is, oh man, give me a second. Let me think about this one. What should everybody, I mean, you gotta, uh, it might be a really low-hanging fruit, maybe, but water? Like, people don't drink water. <laughs> I think that's important. No, that's a good one. No, I, right. I, I think that's... Ex- yeah, I, I, I'm saying low-hanging fruit because I feel like it's so obvious, but it really isn't. I sometimes, and I don't want to call out my nieces and nephews, but I sometimes hang out with them. It's just like, it's juices and it's this and it's that and it's everything mm-hmm. but water. So um let's let's up let's up the intake of water how about that <laughs> that's great i think a lot of people you know it, it is so simple and it and it's low-hanging fruit but people forget and they also yeah. forget how many calories are in the non-water options that they're drinking correct correct, correct. or how it, much uh, sugar yeah. i mean one it, it it does so many wonders for just your regulatory system keeping you like mm. right keeping your skin clean keeping you as healthy as mm-hmm. possible and I just find it to be delicious, whether it's room temperature, cold, mm-hmm. whatever the case is. I love water, so yeah. um, I would I would strongly encourage that. I think okay, I, if I'm not cheating, I'd say maybe um, 
Fiber is a great one. Uh, I think I might I might stake off uh, Aaliyah right there. That's a that's a really great. And it goes well with the water. You need them yeah, hand in yeah. hand. Hand in hand. I think that's a that's a really good one. So we should start Eric- a podcast called Fiber and Water. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, where can people find you online? Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Nana. Um, I am uh, social media. You can find me on Instagram. I am uh, Chef uh, Eric Ajapong, uh, E-R-I-C-A-D-J-E-P-O-N-G. My website is chefajapong.com. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm floating around pretty much Facebook, um, same deal, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and, um, just stay tuned. I'm really looking forward to, to, um, announcing some really exciting uh, things coming up, um, in the future. So, uh, all of that be distributed through those channels and yeah, looking forward to it. You want to give us a sneak peek for any of those? Oh yeah, I can. Um, well, I had the restaurant in mind on the double supposed to be opening up, um, in Union Market, uh, but obviously due to, um, uh, just the social distancing mandates, um, in the district, I'm hoping to open, uh, at some point this summer. I'm very excited for that. And, um, and little things really, um, are, are kind of in the works. I'm excited to, uh, continue doing a little bit more TV, um, and in the future, um, I'm doing virtual cooking classes at the moment right now, which has been oh, an amazing cool. uh, amount of fun. Yeah, so much fun. I uh, I always taught uh, or I have been teaching, like I mentioned, in New York, um, in D.C., Baltimore. Uh, so but to kind of bring this on a virtual platform is awesome because I'm, I'm teaching folks who are like literally all over the world, Saudi mm-hmm. Arabia, Canada, California. Like it's it's cool to, that everybody's kind of tuned in and uh either cooking um alongside so that's pretty fun um and yeah just a lot more to come um writing at the moment as well um so that's been interesting <laughs> um and uh yeah so i'm excited for the future um looking forward to to continuing on um strong and uh just thankful for the platform that i have Excellent. Well, thank you so much. I think uh, Jan and I are going to have to make a special trip to your your place in Union Market as soon as it opens. <laughs> I yeah, want to hold you to it. That'll right be awesome down the street from where I live. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to hold you guys to it. I, it'll be great to serve you guys and, and see you and, and chat in person. And, and yeah, it'll be great. Um, I, I can't wait to open and, and serve you guys. And um, definitely looking forward to it, for sure. Well, that is all the time we have for today. Chef Eric, thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure, guys. Thank you so much, Janet Lee. It was really great to to speak to you guys. You guys are awesome, and and thank you for (laughs) setting up an amazing platform. Thank you. We enjoyed it, too. This is the GW Integrative Medicine Podcast from the GW Office of Integrative Medicine and Health. I'm Dr. Lee Frame. And I'm Janet Rodriguez. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening.